There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and the boys are back at it again. We've got Peaches, we've got Robbie, we've got Chris. What's going on, fellas? Welcome to another episode where we talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode four. What's going on, guys? We did it. We did it. Yay. Pretty good. Uh, real quick, I just want to shout out the winner of the um, Assembly Required March Madness pool. Uh, it was listener Robbie from Florida. Um, <laughs> he won going away by picking the championship game correctly. So good job out there, Robbie. Wow. I would have won if I hadn't picked the championship game correctly. That's correct. You. That is absolutely correct. Good job. You played yourself. Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah, I would have, if Houston had made it, I picked a Gonzaga-Baylor final, and if Houston had made it in instead of Baylor, I would have won. That is correct. <laughs> so, by picking the right championship game, I did, I, I picked, I also picked the wrong champion. If I, I don't know if I had picked Baylor, if that would have put me ahead. Uh, if you had picked Baylor, you would have fi- picked second to frequent podcast guest, Danny. Oh yeah, def- whose who's, who's one was called definitely watched college basketball this year. So anyway, congratulations. My definitely watched job. college basketball on. bracket is raising a lot of questions answered by my definitely watched college basketball bracket. Yeah, thanks for anybody who joined that. Um, it was a fun community uh, event that we were able to do. And speaking of community events, we have... Some really, really exciting news for uh, all of the Assembly Required listeners out there. We have started a Patreon. Um, <clears throat> as you know, up until now, uh, we've been free. We're always going to be free. This podcast will always be free. You'll always be able to find it uh, on your your pod catcher of choice. But if you wanted to support the podcast, you can by going to patreon.com slash assembly required. There are three levels there. All of them are going to get you access to a Patreon exclusive Discord. Um, the first level gets you access to the Discord. The second level is going to get you access to lots of community events and things that we're going to be putting on, such as comic read-alongs. We're going to be doing watch-alongs, game nights, all kinds of stuff. Um, we're going to be doing Q&As. There are going to be some extra episodes uploaded. We've got all kinds of fun content planned. And then if you are part of the highest tier, um, you'll be able to... Uh, one, get a shout out every episode, and two, you're going to actually be able to get your voice heard and choose some of the extra content that we put out there, including extra episodes in between seasons of TV shows, as well as um, kind of exclusive access to voting on different things that we're going to be putting in there. So a lot of really exciting stuff. If you want to know why we're starting a Patreon um Starting a podcast and keeping a podcast running is not free. Um, there's uh, some fees associated with hosting the platform and all kinds of stuff, so it'll help with that. And then eventually it's going to help us get some better equipment so that we can continue to kind of raise uh, the bar and kind of continue uh, to keep the show moving in a forward direction for you guys. We want it to be the best show it possibly can. And anything you can do to help would be much appreciated, but no pressure. If you want to just enjoy the podcast along with us, 
we really appreciate that anyway. But if you do want to, you know, come on over, send us two bucks, send us five bucks, whatever, patreon.com slash assembly required. But today, fellas, we're going to be discussing episode four, The Whole World is Watching, directed by Kari Skoglin and, Rick, and written by Derek Costed. So we start with a flashback to a campfire in Wakanda. Io of the Dormelage recites the Hydra compliance words to Bucky Barnes, and he's able to resist their influence and keep his mind. I'm going to start off right off the bat and say I think I was wrong when I said last week that Black Panther was supposed to show up at the end of the episode. I think this is what they had tried to do all the time. I don't doubt that they were planning on having Black Panther show up at some point, and I do think we're probably going to get someone from Wakanda show up at some point that is not just the Dora Milaje. But I take back what I said last week. I don't think it was supposed to be Black Panther. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to bring that up at all. I, I agree with you, and I think it would have been really tough to give as much of this episode to the Dora Milaje as they did without that being a core concept of the show in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, glad you brought that up. Yeah. I want to go on record as saying I think this is my favorite Bucky Barnes scene in the entire MCU so far. Wow. I agree. He did not reference The Hobbit. Okay, so it's your number two. It was emotional, <laughs> but Chris, you say it. Okay. Yeah, it was emotional. Um, <laughs> no, just the... It was... First of all, we I've wanted to see more of his time in Wakanda, and I thought he did a really cool job of giving us some background to his relationship with Io, which is not something we've gotten before. I mean, she showed up at the end of last week and it's like, okay, well we know she knows him because everybody knows the white wolf. And that's just kind of a thing. But in just this scene alone, you see like what their connection is. You get the sense that she has been working with him throughout this whole thing while sure he's been trying to fix his brain and all that. And his the fear I thought Sebastian Stan did a great job with this scene. The fear on his face as she starts saying the words. And he says, it's not going to work. And then the further she gets in and when she finishes saying it, and he's he's already crying. And then, like, it, his face just goes through, like, ten different emotions in that moment. Where he's relieved uh, and just overwhelmed and when she says, you're free, and he sits there, and he's still crying, but his face kind of turns into a smile. And for the first time in 70 years, he feels like himself. And it was just such a great scene. I, I just, I loved it so much. Yeah, I, This is there, what I've been hoping for with this show. The reason I agree with you is because I think that Sebastian Stan acted that really well. I think that whole, what you just described him going through all those emotions, just he he spot on did that perfectly. I, I would imagine that all of us have, you know, none of us have been under Hydra mind control, but we've all had a moment where something seemed really dire maybe. And then there's a sense of relief, you know, maybe, maybe we've experienced that and watching him go through those motions was like, oh, I've been there. That's uh -huh. awesome for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've not been like completely positive on this show. 
I will say it's doing a good job of what its intended purpose is, which in my opinion is to give characters that haven't had the chance to kind of show more sides of themselves and be full fleshed out multidimensional characters that that opportunity, right? Bucky is getting this this side of him that we've never seen before. The only the happiest we ever saw Bucky was in the first Captain America and then he's been stoic you know, winter soldiery Bucky ever since. And he hasn't really had a chance uh-huh. to kind of change his character at all, really. Uh-huh. Um, same thing with Sam. Sam has always, whether we liked it or not, has always been sort of this like sidekicky type character to Steve. And in this, he is so insightful and he yep. is so smart and he's borderline philosophical and he is so much more complex than the character has been previously portrayed. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. I think you're absolutely right. I know that one of those is actually something, it fits better later, so I don't think we need to bring it up now, that um, Soundlord's going to bring up about Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you said is correct, and maybe this comes up better later as well, but you talk about being a little bit critical of the show, but it's doing things like the characterization well, and I think I agree with that. I'm going to probably continue to be critical about the show here, but there is enough good stuff in this show exactly what you're talking about that it could have been let's say a good movie um but uh and and i think the way that sam and bucky are portrayed and some of the action sequences and and honestly a lot of the plot points are extremely interesting and then there's 30 other minutes of other stuff you could throw um zemo into that mix too of characters i I think are much better um, definitely have much better characterization in here than they have in other and their other properties. Yeah, I, I'll have stuff to say about Zemo later too. I don't think I put it in the notes, but there's a part where I think it'll be natural. We're going to end up talking about. You it can't talk about it if it's not in the notes. Oh, watch me. <laughs> in current day Latvia, Io chastises Bucky for protecting the killer of King T'Chaka, and says he has eight hours before the Dora Milaje kills Zemo. Bucky warns Zemo and Sam Wilson about Wakanda's involvement and also breaks the news of the Flag Smasher's previous bombing of a GRC supply, de- supply depot. Excuse me. Zemo insists Carly Morgenthau is a dangerous supremacist, and there is no reasoning with her. Interesting. It's a really interesting use of the word supremacist. Uh, the word supremacist is thrown out a lot here, mm-hmm. uh, in this episode specifically. Um, and so it feels like they're doing a lot of... Uh, it's a lot of metaphor happening here, right? A lot of it's a, it's a lot of metaphor about those that have had power and what you what a person does when they when they attain power and whether they can be trusted with that power. Whether anyone should have that much power, right? No one man should have all that power. <laughs> there were a lot of things hinted at in the first two episodes that we have since not touched on again as far as social issues and issues issues and uh, uh things yeah. of the like and it, i don't know man it feels they still have two episodes left there's a lot they can still do but at that point it becomes sort of just another arc like another small point in episode rather than an arc throughout the show and i feel like that's a disservice to the message that to that kind of message right i i, I feel like it could still get into it deep if if this does go how we think it's going to where it will lead to sam wilson taking on the mantle of captain america i think that there's still going to be a lot to unpack with that and even if it just brings up the questions i mean i'd watch a captain america movie 
about Sam Wilson. And oh yeah, you yeah, I know wish that would Captain be... America movie about Sam Wilson. <laughs> but I'd watch a theatrical two-hour one <laughs> uh, all at once. But I'm not ready to say that. Oh, they're not going to do this yet. Sure, I, yeah. and I don't think you're wrong for not saying it. But I will say we're four episodes in of a six-hour. Two episodes left, right? Like yeah, they've touched on it a couple episodes, not talked about it at all for two episodes, and so. If they bring it back and talk about it, that'll be cool. But there's a lot of... I had this all written out for when we were going to talk about when the episode is over, but it just feels like it's necessary to talk about it now. There is a lot that I want them to cover, but it feels like they're covering all of the stuff that I feel less interested in. Hmm. Like, I, yep. I like all the stuff with Isaiah Bradley is so interesting to me. A yeah. lot of the, 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 the feeling of Sam... And this is something that I think they are going to cover of Sam not feeling like he's worthy enough and not feeling like the country would accept him as Captain America. I find that so interesting. I find a lot of Bucky's journey really interesting and they've done a better job of covering that. I honestly don't find a lot of what's happening with John Walker that interesting besides he snapped and now he's bad, right? Like that's, you know, it was a shocking moment and, you know, things like that happened. But I, 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 the whole job, I find John Walker kind of bland and boring and I think we're supposed to kind of hate him. Um, And so, mission accomplished but not in the correct way like right like i, I, I think know. the reason it feels weird is because it feels like a swerve because it feels like after episode two that they were going to go down the path of let's tackle these social issues let's talk about this more and then they backed away they they were on the horse and then they got off the horse well right yeah it walking felt like we were heading in a direction in the reins the, the horse is right next to them but they're walking with it instead of riding on it so, well, I think they're still dealing with social issues. They've just changed what social issues they're dealing with. And maybe it's they have not given any particular issue enough time to breathe. They're trying to touch on too many things. Because yeah. this episode, I absolutely yeah. think, is talking about social issues. It's talking mm-hmm. about, um, you know, displaced people and oligarchy yeah. control. And sure. um, in, in a little bit of way... Uh, military overreach i think john walker was basically a one-man military overreach show in this episode um and so i think they're touching on some social issues it's just not the you ones mean, they already had you mean he him saying to the dora milaje in latvia that they don't have jurisdiction there like he <laughs> the representative right. of america does <laughs> yeah. i i meant to bring this up last episode and i forgot he goes in and starts arresting these people in munich and it's like why does he get to arrest people in Munich? What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> no, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't, I would end up skipping to the end if I say this too. I guess it's on my mind right now, so I'll just say it. I, I guess a, a, a way that the the stuff we touched on in episode two could come up again is after people see, because it was recorded what happened with John Walker at the end of this episode, there could still be some uh, divisiveness over. Yeah. He totally straight up murdered a dude, but he should still be captain America. Sam shouldn't have it because this guy has it. And that's so you're, you're not suggesting that someone could kill someone on camera and get away with it. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I'm suggesting. So <laughs> that was a good tee up. Um, and I think maybe that is how they could explore that issue is the I think country the would, would be divided over that. Like, oh, I it's not a big think deal. That's where it's going. I think yeah. that where this episode leaves off, 
We're going to be dealing with the fallout of it next week, and you're going to see a lot of people who are okay with their Captain America being like that. And you're going yeah. to see a lot of people who are not okay with the Captain America yeah. being like that. You're going to get that... You're gonna get that. Um, you're gonna get those the warring parties probably in the next episode of that guy was a terrorist, so it was totally cool for Captain mm-hmm, America right. to do that. And you're gonna get the other side of that guy was a revolutionary fighting a good cause that we believed in. Why did Captain America get to do that? And then you're gonna get another side that's like Captain America shouldn't have done it in either situation. Yeah, because he's a cetera, human being that he right just like you keep going <laughs> right with different yeah. with different angles on that one, and I think that they'll probably explore that, and that might be how Sam taking the shield comes into play again. Yeah. And we, I'm as the worried. viewers, are privy to stuff that the people mm-hmm. in that world aren't. They don't know that he's roided up on the super soldier serum, right. like fresh. They don't know right. that he's angry because his best friend and wingman was just killed. Mm-hmm. I'm worried they're not going to touch on that. I'm worried that y'all are giving the writers too much credit. And maybe you're not. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I'm worried. Um, that what we're going to have is they're just going to use this as the moment that everyone says, well, that's the wrong Captain America. He's no Steve Rogers. Uh, take the shield from him. Which is convenient writing and maybe even fits a superhero narrative, but I don't think is realistic. And I think the show has some reasons to try and be a little bit realistic and y'all are absolutely correct. Um, I can even cite personal experience within the last year in saying that you are completely correct in that this dude, um, not really actual personal experience. Um, are you a super soldier? <laughs> that, Why aren't you telling us? Right? Blink that twice a large, you're a super soldier. <laughs> that a large segment of society would say exactly what you're, what you guys are saying. Yes. You know, necessary use of force you know it's hard to de- in the moment it's easy to decide and you know he killed a terrorist that's a bad guy um that people would be saying yes this is what we want from our captain america you know steve rogers let too many people live you know sometimes you gotta put the shield down and so i maybe they'll explore that and i think that's smart if they do but i'm really worried that this is just going to be a nice wipe your hands clean and no nah, he's no captain america we're going to take the shield. themselves up well and I agree. I'm hoping they didn't tee up too many things because, mm-hmm. again, there's two episodes left. It seems like they've put a lot of golf balls on a lot of tees. Right. Too many hooks. Too many hooks. How dare you? <laughs> it takes a lot to make me stew, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for your, for your ears, listeners. <laughs> Speaking of teeing people up. I think these next two episodes are going to be really important to how I view this show. And I think they have an opportunity to either nail it or fall flat on their face. And there's not going to be a lot of in between for me. And so I really hope they nail, I hope they stick the landing. I hope this has all been leading to something really incredible and it's going to tell a really, uh, a really engaging story. And we're going to not feel like this was just them doing a, Marvel Mad Lib and just entering in heroes and villains into a sheet and then being like, all right, let's do that. Like, I really hope it's more nuanced and more well thought out than it feels like it is right now. Listeners, remember, we are Marvel fan people. We do like Marvel and we want to like this show. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I wouldn't care so much if I didn't want the show to be good, right? Like, I want this show to be good. I want to enjoy my time every single time because I am... I wake up on Fridays and I'm like, when am I watching what Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Because it is 
it's it's like required, not just for this podcast, but it's something that I'd be doing even if I wasn't watching this podcast. I'd be watching fact if every single sh- episode was bad, I'd still be watching it as scheduled television because I want it to be good. Mm-hmm. And so I hope and it's a, good. and a six show investment that you end up not liking isn't the same as twenty three episodes. It's... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Zemo explains Morgenthau's recently deceased adoptive mother, Mama Donia was well known to the community. I have a, and they get information from the GRC camp where she and Morgenthau lived. I feel like it's a weird worse of the used Donya. So Donya is, um, so you guys know what a Don is like in like, like a, like a mob guy. Uh, so that's some way that it's been used, but a Don is something you use in Spanish and uh, Latin um, derived languages to describe an old man who is like revered. Like he is a Don, he is someone of stature. And then a Doña is the female version. And so uh, Mama Doña, I tried to look up to see if there's any like character history. It seems like it's just a character that was created for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So there's no like extra of it. I don't know where Mama Donya is from or any of that, but it's weird that Donya is her name. When does Mama Donya is that like the same thing as someone saying um like ATM machine? Like there's no reason to call her Mama if you're calling her Donya? I don't know. I think they're just like just using the word Donya as a name rather than as a classifier. Uh, and that's I'm like okay. Looking up and it looks like uh Donia is used as a name in certain cultures in, sure. in Arabic. Like it actually comes okay. from Arabic. So so I, I actually been thinking like Donia like like you have yeah. as well, because I'm used to, but but if this is in well I mean they're in Latvia, Latvia, right? Like, and that's another yeah, thing so is we don't know not, who Mama Donia is, and like we don't know where she's from exactly. Yeah, that's actually my notes. Is they they reference her constantly, like she's important, without telling us why she's important, right? Um, or showing us why she's important. It's yeah. like sounds like a TikTok. It's like I'm supposed to know who she is, and I don't, and I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, and later Sam's gonna talk about her and talk about what she would have wanted, but like, how do we know that's what she would? She could be like. Yeah, she could be batshit crazy. We don't know. Like yeah. we don't know. What is weird said because that it's weird because she's a character that's being mourned over. So like yeah. we don't want to like talk ill of her, but at the same time we don't know really anything about her. So it's also hard she's to not real. I don't feel bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was this moment that that exact line where Sam says, "This is what she would have wanted either." Like I was braced for her to for for. Morgan thought to say, no, she was a violent revolutionary. You're wrong. Like, I was almost yeah. disappointed that didn't come out of her mouth. She told me where to find the serum. <laughs> she poisoned King Joffrey. <laughs> like, what is Sam going to do? Just like, oh, well, uh... Right before she died, she said, I want him to know it was me. <laughs> um, so at the camp, Sam and Bucky attempt to get information from the refugees, but are told they can't be trusted. Meanwhile, Baron Zemo bribes children with Turkish delight, like so much Snow Queen, <laughs> and gets Baron information. Zemo, white witch. <laughs> Turkish delight. <laughs> and gets information on Mamadonia's funeral from one of them. He uses the intel as leverage over the other two to prevent being turned over to, Dor- to the Dora Milaje. Sam calls Sharon Carter, who apparently now has access to powerful spy satellites, and asks her to keep watch on Latvia for him. 
Peach, we're going to talk about your iPhone Latvia? theory in just a moment. But I also want to talk about, I we talked about this just a little bit earlier, but this show is being pulled in so many directions. And this is just another direction it's being pulled in the whole Sharon power broker thing. You've got the flag smashers. You've got um, fake Captain America. You've got the things happening with Isaiah. You've got Sam and his boat. You've got the Dora Milaje. You've got what Zemo wants. There are a bajillion directions this show is headed. Uh, and they all seem like they're headed to separate places. So it's weird. It's going to be weird to see how they all kind of come together. I agree. Peach, the iPhone theory. Yeah, so I don't remember if I said this to y'all in a group chat or while we were not recording, recording or whatever it was, or I maybe I said it on an actual podcast and I'm end up repeating myself. So sorry, listeners, if you're hearing this twice. Not really. I've shared the same story like 45 times um, about storking. But... So the iPhone theory that I have that I have been privy to is that there's something about Apple and and contracting iPhone use in their in in film and television and whatever where Apple doesn't want their phone usage being portrayed as something a bad person would do so they have some sort of and I don't the reason I even bring this up is because I don't even know if it's true so if this is just internet BS, just slap me down right now. But the whole theory is that they have some contract that says only good guys can use iPhones. So a lot of people will go through movies and they'll see like, is this character using an iPhone? They're a good guy if they're ambiguous or whatever. Maybe Chris brought this up now that I'm thinking about it. I but, think you're the one who brought it up. Okay, Ryan Johnson up also has Ryan... said it. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so the reason that I say this is because does this just add more validity to the fact that Sharon, I don't need to bring up the power broker theory again, but this does this bring more validity to her being the power broker? Because apparently some sleuths out there found out that she, a at this point ambiguously mor- morale character, whatever it might be, is not using any Apple products. When she's looking at the satellite on the touchscreen, it's a touchscreen that is not... Uh, specific to any brand and also that thing you just said about hey she now owns two satellites (laughs) like like all that stuff i don't know if that if if that helps or not but i mostly i am curious if the iphone thing is even real does anybody know someone has to know i i fully believe ryan johnson that it's real Mm. um okay that doesn't mean i don't necessarily know how much control apple asserts though like i fully believe him on product placement now, I don't know if Apple has the amount of control to say that iPhone that you purchased with your own money, that character can't even hold on screen. I don't yeah. know if they have that sort of litigation ability. Yeah. Um, I want the specifics. And here's another reason why that I didn't put in the show notes, because I wanted to surprise you. When, um, when Carly texts Sam to give him coordinates, Carly... You don't see her texting, but you do see Sam's phone, and her message is an iMessage, meaning it's a blue message when I'm Sam glad you gets this it, up. <laughs> which means maybe Carly is going to end up being a good guy, but I don't know where is the line in the apple sand. Is it that <laughs> they're like, yeah, we can't show bad guys using an iPhone, but we could show a text from a bad guy who probably sent it with an iPhone, but... We didn't show the footage of her sending the message on our product. Ryan Johnson's exact words were, they can't use them on camera. Okay. 
So there's some wiggle room there if we don't see her actually using an iPhone. Okay. Although, what kind of phone was she using when she called Sarah? Could not tell. Because she had it covered. The camera was covering it like the angle. Her head was in the way of the phone. Same thing every time Sharon is on a phone. The camera angle is covering the phone. They know we know. (laughs) (laughs) Us, Us stalkers out here. I kind of hate this kind of speculation. Not that I hate that you're theory. I know. <laughs> but I hate this just as much as I hate we know the U.S. isn't bad because the yeah. United States Army sponsored, uh-huh. their United States Armed Force sponsored this. That's the, I like, I hate that kind of stuff. Like, I hate knowing that stuff. Right. It's personal knowledge. Yeah. Or this guy won't die because he has a contract for eight more films. Yeah. yeah. I don't like thinking metagaming our theories absolutely like i like to theorize within the confines of the story i think if you start to just like go into production stuff and things like that you kind of lose i don't know the spirit the spirit of the game man the problem is it's like you just said game it's you can't turn that knowledge off like when you have found this thing out you can't turn it off it's like when you're playing a game with someone and they accidentally reveal a card or something i don't actually want i like winning board games but i want to beat you Via the strategy, not by you messed up and I figured something out. But it's I like can't in like a turn that room. off. It's like in a courtroom when somebody says something and then the judge goes, "The jury will strike that. It will pretend like that didn't happen." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. It's like knowing that you all just lost the game. Right. Damn it! <laughs> I made it all day. That joke's so 2000. Well, and I don't think it's bad that you bring it up because this is like, this is what we do on this podcast, but I also just don't like... Yeah, it it stunts the conversation. Yeah, yeah. it kind of ruins some of the fun, man. Mm-hmm. I agree, and that's why I wanted to know if you guys knew how legitimate it was, mostly just because I would love for it to be bunked or debunked. Well, also, is Sam's phone an iPhone? Do we yes. know that anyone has used an iPhone in this show? Yeah, he's got an iPhone. because Both Sam and Bucky did in this last episode. And Shannon absolutely had, like, I was bored, so I paid attention to what kind of, Sharon, I paid attention to what kind of, Shannon. what kind of phone she was using. You know, I think I wrote Shannon in a note somewhere. I keep talking. <laughs> That's also Sharon, but I wanted to say kind of like Ozzy. <laughs> I like that that's what made you think of, oh, the way he says yep. Sharon. Yep, I found a, Sharon, say... a Shannon in the notes. My train of thought is off the rails constantly, so. Sorry, It's everybody. not like it's late or anything. No. After a very long day. <laughs> We're recording this Sunday morning like we always do. Yeah, for sure. At a secret graveyard stash, Morgenthau recovers a hip pouch of super soldier serum before heading to Mama Donia's wake. On their way to the wake, Sam, Zemo, and Bucky are intercepted by John Walker and Lamar Hoskins, who are able to track the group down. Walker wants to take in Zemo and Margantho, but Wilson convinces Hoskins, who convinces Walker, that he should have a chance to reason with Morgantho. While Zemo is handcuffed to a boiler, Wilson goes to Mama Doña's service to talk to Morgantho. I also love that when, <laughs> when he handcuffs him and Zemo says, Aggressive! But I get it. <laughs> Every time somebody like puts him in his place in this show, he's like, "All right, fine. I guess that's fair." <laughs> like, like some he's like Jack Sparrow. Generation. I deserved that. Yeah, he's just like this, like giant nerd that understands his place. Like he's like, I'm not actually a super. Like I'm not trying to like 
fight anyone. I just want to do my dastardly plans and get out of here. He's like, it's such an interesting take on Zemo when, when right. the, uh, I, I was going to bring this up earlier. I'll bring it now, I guess. Zemo in the comics, both Zemos, because there are two. There's Heinrich and Helmet. Heinrich was the father during World War II, and then Helmet was the one, is the, you know, modern age Zemo. But Zemo is Hydra in the comics, so he's a fascist monster. And this one is like, oh, supremacists are bad. This is why we need to destroy super soldiers. It's yeah. it's such an opposite take on the character, but it works, I think. Right, Ed- Eduardo just talked about his dastardly plan, and eh, as as Marvel villains go, like his dastardly, yeah, okay, he shot a girl in this. He's I'm not saying he's a good guy, and yeah. this sounds like a precursor of another conversation coming up. Definitely not saying he's a good guy, but also his dastardly plan is getting rid of what I think is genuinely a dangerous thing that probably shouldn't exist. Like, mm-hmm. that's his focus. His focus is not killing the heroes and not even really, you know, taking over the world. His focus is destroying this uh this serum and i think we later see why good call there zemo that was kind of wish you'd succeeded <laughs> yeah it's uh i know I'm, I'm just fascinated by zemo in this yeah and, and i think it's partly that daniel Brühl is giving a very entertaining performance uh he gets so many good asides in and comments and like you like you said peaches just his oh, my apologies i uh, hope I'm sure. I'm sure we're gonna come to a nice agreement. Everyone just always like, "Shut up, Zemo." <laughs> and yet, he still has the upper hand. It feels like in yes. a lot of this, he almost feels like the. Um, uh, there's like a there's a character in Soul Caliber. What a stupid comparison I'm about to make. There's a character in Soul Caliber called Raphael, and he's like a noble, like rapier wielding, like just like polite, but. You know he he's in a fighting game, so he's like a... that's where I I thought that Raphael was cool but rude. Yeah, I mean, but it, kind of the opposite. I don't know what a dumb comparison, but he's kind of like I'm noble, but I'm also polite, but I also kind of an, am evil sometimes when I want to be, and you know, pinkies out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Walker gives him ten minutes, but immediately becomes anxious about the situation and begins arguing that Bucky is leaving his partner to die. Morgenthau talks to Sam and talks to him about how she and her compatriots are being moved from their new homes by oligarchic powers that are not treating them with justice. He relates to her over what his sister Sarah is dealing with, and says he agrees with her cause, just not her tactics. Now, Chris, we get to see a side of Sam. I talked about this a little earlier. We get to see a side of Sam here that we we don't get to see very often, and I feel like we've gotten to see it more and more as the show has gone on, so it's definitely mm-hmm. been a success. Uh, but... I think you share sentiments with me that it's it's really cool what they're doing with Sam here. Yeah, this might be one of my favorite Sam scenes in the MCU so far. I know, like, what a great episode for our title characters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I I just love you know when we're introduced to Sam, he's a counselor. He he and and I, I we actually get to see that side of him. I it, his conversation with Carly demonstrates something that I love to see in superhero stories and it doesn't work for every single superhero but i love it when it does and it's when the superhero approaches the antagonist from a place of empathy trying to understand why they're doing the things they do and i think that leads to some really interesting stories and he gets where carly is coming from he understands why she's an appealing figurehead to to so many people who are like 
adopting her cause now. And he even, I think, from a broad viewpoint, he says he agrees with what she's trying to do uh, with her, her goals. It's the tactics that he says he can't get behind. And I think that this, he, he, he's so close to reaching her. Um, and John Walker ruins it, as we all know he would. But this moment right here demonstrates why Steve trusted Sam, first of all, from the very beginning, from when he met him. He had that conversation with Sam. He goes to check out Sam's you know, uh, counseling session that he, that he does at the VA. And Steve's like, all right, I trust this man. And that's why he knows that he's someone he can turn to when he needs help when, once he's on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's why he is the man that Steve Rogers picked to succeed him as Captain America. That's what he sees. It's much like Dr. Erskine saw. He saw a good man. And I'm teeing you up for that one later, Robbie. <laughs> and uh, there's a side point of this it kind of feels like the moral of the show is going to be therapy is good and necessary because we start with we start with bucky in therapy sam is something of uh he's not i won't i won't call him an actual therapist uh we don't know what his actual training is maybe he is a trained therapist i know in the comics he was a social worker so so maybe he's got some kind of training there john walker will and we'll certainly talk about this later but he's the kind of man who could have benefited a lot from something like sam's group sessions that he used to have that might have helped him work through some of the trauma that leads to the tragedy of at the end of this episode he didn't have a healthy outlet to deal with that so i i just really liked seeing that seeing this the you know the main character of this superhero show going in talking to one of the quote-unquote big bads of this show and we're still kind of i think i think most of the with the exception of the power broker who's just like a mystery all of the villains or antagonists in the show operate in some kind of gray area. They might be trending towards the, you know, the outright villain side of it, but they're still somewhere in this gray area, which is interesting. And it's it, not, maybe not to the level of vision talking down other vision with philosophical brain teasers, but still, you know, seeing him coming in and trying to diffuse a situation with his words, with his training, with his, with his, you know, th- his therapy training, it, it was just really interesting, and it was really cool seeing how how close it came to to working before the guy comes in and tries to solve his problem by punching, just like Lamar warned him about back in episode two. I think we as a society tend to flip flop what we enjoy out of our superheroes. I think a lot of what could be said about why people don't like DC currently and why they liked it before are kind of heading in. It feels like it's like a trade-off, right? So one of the criticisms of DC superheroes is they don't have any flaws, right? That they are, they're all powerful gods rather than real people. And in, in some ways, a lot of the Marvel characters are real people, but in some ways there are a lot of Marvel characters that are, sort of damaged right like there are there's something wrong with them they're battling some sort of demon or need to need to you know overcome this sort of thing and that's not to say that sam doesn't have anything to overcome but it is refreshing to see a character similar to how it was refreshing with captain america who has ideals that we can all get behind and sticks to them rather than 
you know, sort of this trying to make everyone the anti-hero, which I think was a trend for, for a while. It was trying to make someone this, the cool, edgy anti-hero rather than the hero that everyone can believe in. And I think if you look at, in my opinion, the most successful heroes, they are exactly what John Walker is supposed to be, and that's a symbol, right? It's a symbol for all the good that we can do in this world, right? It's it's this metaphor of, 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 of principles that you can live your life by, of how to be a good person. And I think Sam is just another extension of that, and, and I hope that people receive it that way and not in a way that is is negative. I think if it's sometimes, depending on the race or sex of the character, you start assigning words like, you see the the word Mary Sue comes to mind, and it is infuriating that a character that has good principles and good morals and is a good person suddenly is a bad character somehow, right? Like, I, I, I disagree with that notion, and so I hope that people are taking it in the way of inspiration rather than 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 anything negative. As the two start to find common ground, Bucky, Hoskins, and Walker storm in. Morgenthau feels betrayed and runs while Zemo escapes his handcuffs. The heroes and the flag smashers fight across the building, and Zemo finds Morgenthau and shoots her. Though the shot is non-fatal, the serum falls to the ground and Zemo smashes the vials. Say what you will about the tenets of Barrett and Zemo, but at least it's an ethos. <laughs> He he, 100% believes Super Soldier Serum bad. I'm, he looks at it, and it almost looks like they're trying to fake out and thinking that he's going to steal it. But he's like, no, I'm going to break this. I don't like this. This is bad. I'm getting rid of it. Basically, Hamilton. Zemo has beliefs. Mm-hmm. Walker has none. Oh! Can I say something that might be controversial? <laughs> what's, you know, what's stopped me any other time? Yeah. There is a particular oh, Marvel uh, trope that I'm starting to become a little fatigued by, and I realized it during this fight and it was when they were fighting and then suddenly everything stopped so that Walker could say something about how everyone has knives. And I'm kind of over the break in action, say a, what's supposed to be a funny line and then continue fighting thing. I don't think that's that controversial. The, you guys know that I go to some of the angstier, nerdier parts of the internet than y'all do. Uh, That is a very, very common complaint. And I don't think I hate it as much as those folks. No. Um, and I wouldn't have like a mid, do, but It's different than like a mid-combat quip, because if you don't stop the combat and still say something like that, it's different than a very dramatic, everyone stops fighting so that John Walker can say, where'd everybody get all these knives? And then waggity, shwaggity, and then does some <laughs> clap, some clicking with his heels, and like, and then they go back to fighting, like, it just was make also- it part of the combat. It was a weird moment that I found myself staring at. Like, why is this? Why did he say that? Like, why? Is that some reference I'm not getting? Is that some, like, the people fighting you have a weapon? Why is yeah, that weird? Only the like, one dude had knives. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I hate it. I, I think I chose the word fatigue on purpose. Yeah, I think I just, that's fair. I think they use it a little too much. And I think it makes the ones that are actually really funny less funny when you have ones like this that are not funny at all yeah maybe it's john walker trying to fit in with the funny ones and again yeah, he saw that he, he saw bucky belong. saying hey sam thanks for joining the fight and thought i need one of those yeah, I <laughs> that's how i become an avenger 
Well, and that's that's John Walker. When, once he becomes a hero, he starts out as a villain. But once John Walker becomes a hero in the comics, a lot of times that's his whole thing is like trying to awkwardly and awfully fit in with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's how you do it in the MCU is quips. I must quip. <laughs> Morgenthau escapes and Walker knocks out Zemo, finding one remaining vial and putting it in his pocket. As she recovers from her injuries, Morgenthau gets more threatening texts from the power broker and vows to split up Wilson from the rest of his group to try and talk to him. At this point, the the power broker has to be someone we know because we're two episodes left and they haven't been introduced. And if it's just some random guy we've never met before, that's the power broker. Everyone will be upset and it will be really bad writing. It has oh, to man. be we know at this point. This is the second time this episode that I'm going to say I'm worried you're giving them too much credit. I, I don't think that you are, but I'm incredibly worried. Surprise, the power broker's Reed Richards. <laughs> An aerospace we get, engineer. We get the bad Reed Richards. We, it's ultimate Reed well, Richards. Yeah, yeah, it's the maker. Oh, no. That's what he's called, right? I believe so. Yeah. Let me look at Bad Reed Richards. <laughs> he wears that helmet. Yeah, the weird if helmet. If you search Bad Reed Richards, you're just going to get, um... Whoa! What's his name from Whiplash? <laughs> oh, no. It is, ma- <laughs> it is Maker. But that's the second article when I googled Bad Reed Richards. Uh, the first one is a CBR article titled, Mr. Fantastic, 15 times Reed Richards was Marvel's Biggest trend. And then there's ellipses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have stretch powers. Biggest jerk. Biggest jerk was the okay. ellipses. Um, I'm once again going to plug that everyone on this podcast needs to watch The Venture Brothers because there's a um, a side character in The Venture Brothers. I say side character. There's a handful of episodes where he's a primary character uh, who has been essentially a brilliant send-up of Mr. Fantastic, voiced by um, uh, the the Late Show host. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Say, what? Yes, Which Stephen one? Colbert. Stephen Colbert. Okay. So everyone watch The Venture Brothers. One day. In Zemo's apartment, uh, Io and the Dora Milaje arrive to take Zemo into custody. Walker attempts to stop them and is soundly beaten. What a fantastic, yes. fantastic I'm- scene. I love every Dora Milaje fight scene. Yes. How bad yeah. is it that I found that really cathartic? Like it was so it's good. Probably a bad. It probably so is a did. bad part so of me. Bucky, I <laughs> really got him there, John. I did not think that they could top Okoye throwing the spear through the truck, spearing it into the ground, and making the car flip. And then they threaded the needle on the straps on the Captain America shield with the spear. And I just loved it so much. I just, I know it maybe makes me a bad person, but watching him get smacked around was a thing that I felt positive emotions about. (laughs) I really liked Sam telling Walker, like, hey, look, man, you might as well just fight Bucky because there's no way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Bucky does does not even go, hey, man, he's like, no, he's, no he's for real. Right. No, seriously, <laughs> yeah. you should fight me. <laughs> Just fight Everybody me. knows, yeah. Uh, I, I do want to, you, you brought this up, the parallel of, do either of them really have jurisdiction there? And we cheer for the Dora Milaje because we love them. And we jeer John Walker because we don't love him. Because he's hashtag not my cap. But is either of them really in the right here? This is a really good 
point that you're bringing up here, Sound Lord. I appreciate you bringing it up. I don't know because hold she on to what you just said. Explicitly stated that the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever oh, well, she they said so. wanted. She said yeah, so. She so said good, it good out call. Loud. That's that's a good point. <laughs> you well, can just I declare jurisdiction. <laughs> I will actually go as far as this is me gleaning maybe more than I should from how things were written. Um, but I will go as far as I don't think Wakanda here was written as golden heroism. I think yeah. that they were written as roughly the same as as John Walker. I just like them more, but I think it was the same thing. It's I think Wakanda is doing some military overreach here just like the GCR is. So Yeah, and, and Wakanda has always been I mean Wakanda is at this point still adjusting to life as part of the mm-hmm. world at large. Right. And as being in the public eye. Right. Uh because they they had their big coming out moment and then the blip happened. And and we've talked about how, you know, all these countries open up their borders. Did Wakanda? Well, and also, yeah, you know, while you're bringing mind. up you're bringing up that point, they had their big coming out moment. We have previously discussed from WandaVision that it's clear that everyone knows what happened in the 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 final battle, whatever whatever the name for the portals battle is. The yeah, upstate New York, the Battle of Upstate New York. I don't know what do we yeah. call that. <laughs> um, this was a triumph. So Team people Thanos. would know, like, I assume that everyone knows that the army of Wakanda helped save the, the universe. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and quick point, in case I wasn't clear, I want to say, um, I don't, I'm not really just saying that we are, this, or me, but I think you guys agree with me, that we are saying that there's some Wakandan overreach here. I think that it was written to be interpreted that way as well. Now, again, not villains, not, not Wakanda bad, but not Wakanda entirely unquestionably good either. It, and that's always kind of been their thing is that they mm-hmm. when when it is when the time comes for Wakandan justice, if someone has wronged the country of Wakanda, they want to take care of it yeah. themselves. They did it with Claw. Uh, they 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 want to do it with Zemo here. It, it reminds me of this old Ron White joke of that's uh, not even that funny of a joke uh, in context, but it's applicable here. Uh, you come to Texas and kill somebody, we kill you back. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot for them to cover with Wakanda. I wonder how much more Wakanda will get because there are a lot of questions about Wakanda, what's going on there, how they're going to handle the character of Black Panther moving forward. Uh, Are they going to acknowledge it at all? What they're even going to... Like, there are so many questions, which is why I was surprised that anyone from Wakanda showed up to begin with, just because there are so much for them to do, and if they don't, there's there's a real chance that they could ruin it if they don't do it tastefully. Yeah, there's. I think there's more than they can deal with in this show, and I think that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that's okay. I. It's not my favorite thing to do when they introduce something and and say we'll deal with another show. That's kind of how I felt about the Mandalorian when I loved the episode with Ahsoka. I jumped up and screamed when she said, "Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn?" And then when it became clear that that was not a plot point to be dealt with on The Mandalorian, that they were setting up for the other show, I was a little disappointed. I'm very much looking forward to the Ahsoka show. I cannot wait for live-action Grand Admiral Thrawn. But it was like, it it was the first time The Mandalorian had been such a tightly plotted show. Everything mattered. For them now to bring up this something and make it feel like it was important 
And me, as someone who's read the books and watched Rebels, understood the importance of Grand Admiral Thrawn. But to your a- your average Star Wars fan who's seen the movies and you know maybe has some familiarity with some of it, they're going to go, oh, who's that? And then we never find out. And that's I think that's annoying. I think that's sloppy storytelling. I think with the MCU, it can be a little bit different. You can you can introduce stuff in these shows in these movies with the knowledge that it will be dealt with further down the line as long as you deal with it at least somewhat like this actually has something to do with this show at least so i'm okay with them not answering every wakanda question we have have we talked about this yet because i know we talked about it for the in the wandavision episodes one of them um because we never saw any evidence that they were going to have a wandavision season two is this show different? Are they planning on, have they said anything one way or another? Because that might be why they're setting up so many T's because maybe they're planning on tackling some more of this stuff in a later season. They haven't announced any season twos of anything. Okay. The only one that I have heard rumored is Loki. Okay. Which Um, for the plot that they've kind of announced of Loki, that might make a little more sense. Yeah. I could see Loki kind of going off and being its own thing, like a weird anti-hero doctor who. Yeah, I also see the I, I. It's a very Disney thing for them to be like, we're gonna put out ten shows. Whichever ones does the best, those are the ones that are getting sequels. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a very real possible that I think that that's what I think is gonna happen. Like, I yeah. think we might yes. actually get a one division sequel because of just how much people liked the first one. And we also do know that we are getting at least one Wakanda TV series. Yes in and of itself so so that could be the tie-in then is they just they remind you that wakanda is there and then lead that into that show yeah i think wakanda is just going forward going to be a very important player in the marvel cinematic universe i think they were always planning for it that way since it ended up being such a big part of infinity war even before they knew that black panther was going to be massive success but then black panther just blew the doors off of everything and completely surprised people with how successful it was that there's you know people there's a real hunger for you know people love this setting they love these characters so if there's a way to organically use them we're going to use them and i think when in a show about the winter soldier a show that has baron zemo in it those characters are now pretty inextricably linked with wakanda so it made sense for wakanda to play a part in it i feel dumb for not realizing it ahead of time that this was a possibility you know it's like oh of course of course that was going to happen absolutely sam and bucky jump in to try to protect walker and ao shows that she is able to deactivate bucky's arm before condemning him for standing in their way in the meantime zemo escapes to the sewers and the dormelage leave to find him I also thought it was so cool when the Dora Milaje steps on the shield and flips it into her arm. Yes. Ooh. That was awesome. Who is the acrobat friend? I always forget the trio. The acrobat friend from Flying Avatar. Sorry. <laughs> no, this is a question for you, Eduardo. The acrobat friend from the the trio in Avatar. Mei Lee? Mei Lee. Is that what you said? I know yeah. it's Tyler. So, Tylee? Tylee? Yeah, Tylee. That's what it is. So she totally, AO totally Tylee's his arm. Yes. (laughs) That's what I thought of when that happened. And then when they get the spear and it gets stuck in there, and you could tell he just looks defeated because he like brings Uh up 
the serum to Bucky like shortly before that. And he's like, Oh, you must feel so powerful because there's serum running through your veins. And you can tell that he's got something like he feels inadequacy in his role Mm -hmm. because he does not have the super soldier serum. Well, then he literally says right after that fight, they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. What if he delivered that line perfectly? I know. I know none of us like John Walker, Mm -hmm. But Wyatt Russell's doing a great job with this character. We're yes. not supposed to like this character. Well, and that's I like mean, he's doing it right. He's it's like the, the son of a celestial. Like, yeah. In wrestling, you have faces who are like the good guys, and you have heels. And mm-hmm. the job of a heel is to make people hate you. Is so uh-huh. that when the good guy wins, they're excited about it, right? And so he's doing a great job at making us yeah. not like yeah, him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, and especially we keep talking about if there's not a a clear cut traditional villain yet because we have not mm-hmm. been shown the power broker um i definitely i'm all in on carly, carly morgenthau as a villain but her motivations are at least somewhat sympathetic um zemo is a villain absolutely um but also i think his motivations are are his his means are bad his end i think is actually good uh so walker is the closest thing we have of being something hateable and dislikable, and he's doing a really good job of it. This just in, Robbie likes Zemo's butt. <laughs> you said his end was good. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> We're not allowed to record this late. I get extra dumb as the day goes on. What, 11 o'clock in the morning? No. Definitely. <laughs> that's what I meant. Sorry. There, 11 o'clock in the morning is late for me. There are so many scenes in this episode that I've really liked. And it just makes me upset about all of the other stuff that's like filler and not necessary. Right? Like it just, I don't go. feel like we needed to go to Madripoor almost at all. Like it feels like a lot of that stuff was just. I feel like this episode maybe hate Madripoor more. Like, it just makes me think of last episode, why did that even happen? (laughs) I think at this point, the only reason they really needed to go there was to establish that Sharon was there. Well, also, they needed the the guy. like a reigning control. I don't even know if they necessarily even needed to meet the guy that made the serum, but they needed him Mm -hmm. to die at some point, I guess. Yeah. Um, But he could have been killed off screen. We don't care. We've never met him. Who cares about this guy? I also like how Zima refers to that as what may or may not have happened. Conversation. <laughs> Sam's like, there's nothing to litigate. You killed him. <laughs> I'm gonna start using that on you guys. <laughs> I have rant. I'm not gonna rant anymore about the whole six hour movie thing because I've ranted enough. I will. Why? Why are you still complaining? <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide if that's petty or perfect. Oh, it's so good. But I will say that a lot of this show, especially this episode, has been really good. And it makes me really sad about the stuff that's not good. Because it feels like if they just, you know, like tightened it up a little bit, this would have been a really great movie or three-hour special or even four. Like, it just feels like they were like, you get six episodes, and they're like, all right, well, we're going to fill up all six of those episodes. Right. And... I want to bring something up. So Peach off channel 
said that the justification is probably, and, and he wasn't saying it's right. He was saying it's the probably the justification for instead of doing a Disney plus special movie event, making it a series is to entice six weeks of six weeks of subscription, which is what that's one extra subscription window out of somebody. So maybe, but if that's, that's true, of, that's a lot of money when you multiply that by all the Disney plus users. If that's true, let's say that each of these episodes was a short of just the good stuff, of just just throwing a, a time out there. Let's say it was 15-minute shorts or four 30-minute episodes or whatever. Let's say we distilled this down to the good items. Is that actually going to be less successful? Is that actually going to, well, you know, I like all 15 of those minutes, but it was only 15 minutes. I am not subscribed. Well, I think I don't think there's as much filler as you're saying there is. Oh. I I'm uh, I'm going to be the weird one to disagree with you here. Okay. First of all, you don't know that anything's filler until the story's done. Fair. Um, and you know maybe everything that happened to Madripoor is going to come back in some sort of amazing ironic echo in the sixth episode. Yeah, that that rattlesnake when, is going to come back for revenge. <laughs> when, when the real smiling tiger shows up. <laughs> Smiling Tiger, you're, it really was your favorite all along. Yeah. Um, but there have been things that they have gone in depth on. If if we had cut it, if we cut this down to fifteen minute episodes, uh, we would have gotten a lot less of. That was Baron an arbitrary Zemo. number. I just want to be clear. That was an arbitrary number. I, I know, I know. But like, they are doing some stuff where they are going more in depth. Like the first, I mean, as much as that, the first episode was a slow start. It definitely had a lot of, they were setting up a lot of things, showing, you know, what the new status quo was. The second episode, which I still think is the best episode of the series so far, you know, they, you know, you got Isaiah Bradley, you got Sam and Bucky and reestablishing their relationship. I I think that it's frustrating because it does feel like that there's some stuff they could be doing differently but I do think that this still works as a longer form story. It just does sometimes feel like maybe they're focusing on the wrong things. Like, like, okay, my, my big complaint has been the flag smashers and not knowing what they're all about. I finally understand them after this episode. And it would have been great to have had the explanation of, Oh, the GRC, you know, back, back during the blip, uh, people took down their borders and we came together as one world, helping each other out. If we had established that in episode one or two, I would totally understand the Flag Smashers and I wouldn't have been spending the last three episodes going, I don't get them. Are they clearly I'm supposed to think they're bad, but I'm also supposed to sympathize with them, but I'm not sure why anything's happening. We didn't get that explanation until episode four. That's a pacing problem. And I think that there are just enough pacing issues over the course of the four episodes so far where it's like, if we were watching this all in one go as a six hour movie, Finding out half an hour after I had that question why the Flag Smashers are the way they are, that's more forgivable than having to wait a whole week to find out, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe they have all the right ingredients and it's not filler. They just put the ingredients in in the wrong order. Yeah, that's kind of part of what I'm feeling. Possible. But like, like, okay, so better example, now that I'm actually thinking about it, the, the second episode revealed a lot about John Walker. That if we did it in, if it were a two-hour movie, uh, like a regular theatrical Marvel movie, 
we wouldn't have had as much of a chance to get in depth with the character for his, you know, rise to Captain America to his fall to murderer. That's something that actually made sense to have spread out a little bit. Now, we got very little of John Walker last week. We got a lot of him this week, and we got a lot of him the week before. So, again, maybe there's some pacing issues there. But it was time we were afforded with this character that we wouldn't have had if this weren't being done as a six-episode TV series. It's just a question of, is the pacing and the execution right? I I still do think that they're not necessarily doing enough to make these episodes feel like chapters and episodes in and of themselves. But again, we've been over that a million times. I do think that when it's all said and done, we'll. I still think it's going to be a good hole. If you know, if they stick the landing, but I'll show you a good hole. Um, Please don't. I don't know. I think I land somewhere in between the two of you. I don't know if I think everything in this could be rearranged to make a good show. Like, I don't think there's some sort of uh, what's the director's name? Carrie Scoglin? I don't think there's oh. some sort of weird Scoglin cut no running way. around out there that yeah. somehow fixes all of the problems that I think we've had. But I also don't think that chopping it down to little bite-sized episodes is exactly what I'm... Like, I think there are a few episodes here. and like I like moments of certain episodes, but I don't think they equate to good holes. And so I wish I just had the moments and I didn't have some of the other stuff. Like there's, did I need to see a scene of Zemo dumping a bunch of Turkish delights on a table? I get why you did it because you're trying to be like, Oh, we're going to use these later. Did I need it? Probably not. Oh, look it's Zemo. He has candy. Did we need him to sing Baba black sheep? Probably not. I like it. And I don't know why I'm harping on Zemo because honestly Zemo is one of the, my favorite parts of it. Yeah. But there are, a lot of stuff like that where I'm just like, why are we doing this? Like, let's just get to the stuff that we that we want. Like, well, what do you want though? Like, do you want to like have character moments, or do you just want to get to no, the? I want plot character moments. I don't think Turkish delights meet like are necessary for character moments. Like, I think the instances that I am talking about are moments that don't help any character at all, and they're just more for like ambiance rather than actually character moments that, that that actually serve any purpose yeah i think i agree with that i think i get a whole lot of please get on with this please get on with even in and, and it's there have been really good character moments and dumping turkish delights on a table is not one of those it's just it, and it's not. And I wasn't like I wasn't watching the Turkish Delights, thinking specifically in that moment. Wow, I don't like this show. This is the this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Really. But it's this general feeling of just I am. There's a whole lot of stuff that I'm liking, and it's making this worth it. But it just feels like it's a almost a chore for me to get to the stuff that I like on this show. Because I don't think the character development or the interactions or that kind of stuff are the stuff that I don't like. Like I like everything with Bucky and Zemo and Sam. I liked a lot of the stuff that we got with Sam. I don't think they're doing a good job of characterizing the Flag Smashers. uh, And I don't think that they're doing a good job of uh, having a focused direction. No, that's it. It's the Flag Smashers. It's that the Flag Smasher plot, which is fairly central to the show, I just don't find that 
compelling or thrilling or well written. Yeah, that's no, a, that's so a character that's the that, part of the show. Can we take out some of the fat and just give a little bit more to them? Because I think if I cared about them a little more, I'd be yeah, more into this as a whole, right? Like I think if I cared yes. about the and the flag smashers in general, because we're given a little bit, but we already talked about the whole Mamadonia problem that we don't really care about her. So when she passes away and these people are all sad and they're like, Oh, well, we all cared about her, we're all like, All right, well, we didn't care about her anyway. I honestly think that most of our problem, I'm including myself in this because Lord knows I ranted about the Flag Smashers last week. If that story had been tightened up and maybe presented a little bit differently in the first few episodes, I think we would all feel much more positively overall about the show. And and I think mm-hmm. we're all still mostly generally positive about this show. You know, we're not, none of us are saying, boy, I hate the show. It, it was always going to be a bit of a letdown from WandaVision because WandaVision just came out of the gates. Oh, no, you <gasps> Stop. Incredible. Stop comparing it to WandaVision. You can't. You're not allowed to do you're that. Right. I forgot that wasn't allowed. Um, but calling the police. <laughs> you leave them out of this. Okay, sorry. boy um that was some captain barge broadside there <laughs> w-a-r-r bump bump bum. i'll leave sorry. that in for the five listeners who will get that, and appreciate so that. you know what the problem is i think we <laughs> have been sort of in an embarrassment of riches when it comes to marvel villains for the past few times like we have been there have been a lot of really compelling villains when you think about Killmonger, you think about Thanos, you think about um, Agatha. But this villain feels like the older Marvel villains who were not interesting and were not that good. And this is a little yeah, bit the more... The Flag Smashers are the Dark Elves. And yet, well, they're not that bad. I don't think they're that bad. <laughs> but also, we somehow get Zemo in this show, and it's the best. Right. Uh, Zemo is like so much but better than... Think- not that Zemo because he's not the central conflict. He's not the central conflict here. Yeah, and that's the. No, I, I agree with you there. It's almost like maybe he should have been. Maybe we were misguided and should have made this a Zemo uh, yeah. conflict. There's but... still a chance. Yeah, because at this point we don't really have an antagonist. They're definitely trying to steer us in a direction. Right. We don't necessarily right. have an antagonist yet. Right. Right, and I think we are meant to hate John Walker for completely understandable reasons. He's not a hero, but I don't think they're setting him up as the antagonist. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you're correct. If they're setting him up for to be the antagonist, then yes, we do have the antagonist. But I think you're correct, mm-hmm. we don't have that. I think they haven't committed to it yet, but I think that's the direction they're headed. But also, the, they've spent so much time making the ant- or trying to make the antagonist, you know, the Flag Smashers and Carly somewhat sympathetic and everything mm-hmm. to that here we are in episode four, still not 100% sure how we're supposed to feel about them, partially because we feel like they're undeveloped. underdeveloped. Right. So That's probably yeah, the I, biggest problem. I think here's their yeah. intention. Their intention is we start off with good John Walker and bad Flag Smashers. And as the show goes on, they're supposed to go like this, where we think one's bad and one's good and then they sort of intersect at one point we don't know who's who and they end up in opposite directions i think that is their intention whether they are succeeding at this or not is a whole other thing do you think that the writers wanted me 
in episode two to think good John Walker because if they did, they didn't. They made me think they're trying to make me think. I thought they were trying to make me think he's bad and I wasn't buying their bait and switch. I never felt like they were trying to make me think he's no, good. No, I think they were trying and just weren't successful. I think that they did an okay job in episode two because he has those character moments in the beginning where he's like, I just want to do good by, I want to do the best I can. I just never... I I that think that on the meta me. level, it's impossible because we all wanted Sam to be Captain America. We all love Steve Rogers, and yeah. we all know that U.S. Agent's kind of an a-hole right. in the comics. So I think we took all of that, all of our feelings as movie right. fans and as people who may or may not have familiarity with the comics, and we're like, well, this guy's got to right. be the bad guy. Sam's just, supposed to be Captain America. I just find this all very, like, like I genuinely find this conversation interesting because we don't have an answer without hearing it from the the author from, from, like right, from the writer we don't have an answer without hearing it from the writer's mouth and so it's entirely this is not my interpretation of the character this is my interpretation of what the how the the writer wanted me to interpret the character and i find that very interesting because i definitely the sense i had was the the producers and writers and directors of the show wanted me to hate john walker and so i think that's very interesting that uh the two of you think it was they wanted me to like john walker and were bad at it i just i think I, they wanted you to i don't know if you're right or wrong i just find that very interesting i think they no, were trying to position they, him to be a sympathetic character interesting yes. yeah off the bat they and failed. Then you could see near the end of the second episode that maybe they were going to start moving in the opposite direction right I think that's the beginning like they, i think in the same in the same episode yeah. they were like look, this guy's a pretty good guy. You should give him a chance. And then by the end, you're like, I'm seeing some red flags here. If that's what they were doing, they had like literally the opposite effect on me. Yeah, I think Chris speaking about our bias and just knowledge that we cannot unknow about that character probably doesn't help. Possibly. I. So that Good Morning America interview, like that annoyed me. Like that was a, a the writing of that character was one that made my skin crawl. So I, it was not someone who I thought, wow, that's a good dude. We, that, that was... You liked episode two. What are you doing? Oh, no, no, no. I loved episode two. And now you're making me wonder if I'm going to like episode two when all is said and done. I absolutely liked episode two. Huh. And if you guys are right, there's I a good chance. I thought you were gonna... team. I don't think he's going to be the bad guy. No, I don't think he's going to be the bad guy. I don't because I thought in the, in the, in episode I'm two. So I thought confused. they were. Okay. I don't know what you think. Hold on. <laughs> Episode two. I thought they were writing a character that I'm supposed to think is the bad guy and they're going to bait and switch me and he's not, not necessarily going to be the good guy, but not going to be the bad guy. I think that's exactly what, you, what, what they were what doing. Episode two made you think that he was the bad guy. Was it the three well, medals of honor? Was it? <laughs> so the punch your way out of problems, the, the okay. skeezy Good Morning America interview. The, you thought that interview was skeezy? Yes, yes, I did. I thought I that was surprisingly no, sympathetic. I hated yeah. that person. I absolutely hated wow. that human being. Go back and watch that again. I think you're remembering a different I've watched it I need to go back and listen to our podcast again because <laughs> yeah. I don't remember any of this coming up. And I also, didn't think it was important. Your I also thought it would help Eduardo's line. point, so I kept it to myself. The punch your way out of problems line has been said by heroes to other heroes that are in the Marvel Universe too. So that's not even really a necessarily bad Listen, statement. I like Iron Man, but I agree with Eduardo on Tony Stark. So you're not really changing my mind here. I'm not trying to. I'm saying you're confusing me. I was going to make some comment you about You're confusing beating. me. This is not gonna... the fight I was expecting us to have about John Walker. <laughs> I was going to make some comment. We haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> 
about us beating a dead horse, but I don't even know which horse we're all kicking. The best part is the point coming up isn't even about John Walker. <laughs> Where are we in the plot? Eduardo, get us out of here. You know, it's so interesting because, Robbie, I think you're right. I think they are trying to do a bait and switch, but I don't think that's John Walker. I think they're trying to do that with the Flag Smashers. I think the Flag Smashers what? are the bait and switch, and the real villain is John Walker. Like, I think that. No, no. I mean, you might be right, but that's. I can't decide if they're bad or if I'm overthinking the show. I don't. You know, as much as we're complaining about about uh, about fluff and not being much to discuss, we're over here very confused about what's happening in the show. And but talking I don't know if that's a necessarily but, a good thing. Right? No, I don't think we're talking about how deep the show is. I think we're talking about how confusing the the intention of the writing is. I think right, you're so the confusing one right now. But <laughs> I think there's only one person confused. <laughs> Let's all. I don't know about that. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> You're there, boy. What day is it? 1985. There's still time. So wait, 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 wait. Just so I'm clear. You are saying that they have been, through the first half of this show, trying to write the Flag Smashers as bad? Yes. They blew up a building, Robert. They were terrible. Right, and to me, that was this moment. To me, that was them saying, these guys are actually bad. So so you might be right. And that, But up, I think they've laid on very thick on the sympathetic of the Flag Smashers. Sure, because that was the, like, that because that's what they did throughout other episodes. Because they're in a, that's a, it's called an arc. They are, yes. they are heading in arcing directions. Whereas John Walker starts off with a, not skeevy speech on Good Morning America, and sense gets skeevier and skeevier. That's what happens with characters. So they start at one place and then they change throughout the series and end up. When did the place? When did the flag smashers place change? They start off. I'm going to disagree with everybody and say they both started off as sympathetic, but you're not sure how you feel about them and have crossed lines but you know you're out of line you're out of line (laughs) i disagree the first episode the flag smashers like like steal a bunch of stuff and you don't know why they're stealing stuff they start off as bad and then in the second episode you get more context about them actually getting things to help people i i will agree with you on the first episode i i will agree with you on that whereas the first time we see john walker he is supposed to i I promise you, he's supposed to be being portrayed as a good person who just wants to do right by the Captain America name. I promise you that's their intention. Are we in a weird Putnam Square situation where I'm the fourth one that chimes in with my opinion, so I have to take the leftover square, which is, I think both parties are good. Putnam Square, you're absolutely correct. I think both parties are good guys. That's what I think. <laughs> the peaches guarantee. I'm still squarely in everyone is the asshole. Man. Oh my God. After the altercation, Hoskins and Walker sit at a cafe. Walker asks Hoskins if he would take the serum given a choice, showing some doubt himself. It's so interesting because this parallels the, the the talk that we have just before this with Sam and Zemo, where Zemo is like, Sam, 
if you had the option, would you take the serum? And he immediately just goes, no. And you could see his hesitation. And he talks about, Zemo talks about um, how people like that shouldn't exist. And Sam's like, well, you're just like talking like a god at this point. Like you don't get to decide who gets to have what. That's like just a supremacist as the people that have the power, right? Like you're just doing what they're doing, but to them. Um, whereas Hoskins and Walker are sitting here and he's like, would you take the serum? And he's like, hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and he makes, I think Lamar makes some really interesting points about, you know, it just brings out who you really are. I mean, you take Carly and you take, Steve Rogers, because at this point, Carly is supposed to be a bad figure. Uh, and you take Steve Rogers, who's supposed to be a good guy, right? And you go, look, it just depends on how you use the power, which is something that's going to come up later when Walker decides to take his shield and smash it through a guy's chest. Right. Spoiler. Spo- yeah, spoiler. What do you mean, spoiler? We're doing a Marvel podcast. You haven't... <laughs> You let me tell I, you one thing. If you keep going, there is one worse way than chronological order to watch the MCU, and it is to listen to this podcast instead of watching the MCU. That is probably the worst way to experience the MCU. If there's one thing you shouldn't do, it is that. No random number generator. This. You listen to a podcast and watch an, watch a movie. You Both generated this, randomly. So you know how you should feel based on our opinions. And when you get to episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you're going to be so confused about how you feel based on the last 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I thought was interesting was... was Sorry, I'm just like moving on. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was you. interesting when, when they're talking about the Super Soldier Serum... Uh, when Sam and Bucky and Zemo are talking about it and Bucky's like, well, Steve Rogers never got, or Steve never got corrupted. And Zemo concedes that point. Okay. I was kind of shocked by that. Yes. And then he says, but there's not been another Steve Rogers has there. That's a key sentence. Yeah. I keep teeing you up, Robbie. I you don't do. Know. He doesn't want to talk about it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Finish the scene. <laughs> Hoskins expresses no doubt. Walker expresses concern the serum can change a person, but Hoskins talks about Walker's heroism in the field, saying you would have to make the right choices with the serum. John says that many of the things they had to do in Afghanistan were not right, but Lamar counters by asking him to think about how many lives they would have saved if they had the serum back there. Robbie? Uh, yeah, Soundlord spent this whole episode teeing me up. I, I don't think it salvages this episode, but a theme that I really like that I, is going on this episode i think is this idea is it's a we're confirming dr erskine's test so we're confirming dr erskine's test which is you know and i think the iconic part of it is that argument he's having with um colonel uh sanders Sanders. no phillips You just Eduardo'd me. <laughs> so, Sanders, got it. Perfect. Colonel Sanders. Extra crispy. So Colonel Phillips and Dr. Erskine are having an argument. Um, uh, and Erskine is saying that Steve Rogers is the one we should be choosing to get the serum based on who he is as a person. And Phillips is pointing out that he's got these soldiers that are fantastic soldiers. They are, you know, perfectly fit and strong. And, and you know, they're not... And I'm not, they're not necessarily bad guys in like the Loki mass murderer uh, sense of being bad guys. They're just not the good guys that Steve Rogers is. 
And then, you know, he chucks the grenade and Steve Rogers throws the grenade, uh, jumps on the grenade. And, you know, that's how we get Captain America. And like Zemo said, there hasn't been another Captain America. And I think that ends up being proven here because I think John Walker in this is representing what if Doc, what if Colonel Phillips had gotten his way? I think he is absolutely the mm-hmm. guys that Steve Rogers was up against. And by all means, I, I, I absolutely think John Walker could save lives. I absolutely think John Walker could do good with these abilities because he's not, he's not a good dude. He's not a hero like Steve Rogers, but I don't think he is a villain. He's not Thanos. He's not Loki. He's not, um, I don't think he's even necessarily Zemo, but you know, you kill his best friend while he's on a roid rage and he's going to murder a goo. And, and that's what sets Steve Rogers apart. And that's, uh, the hero he is. And we've already talked about, already we've talked about a lot of this, so there's no point in uh, going back over it. But, and, and Carly Morgenthau as well is also that same thing. She is, she got the super soldier serum and she is now a villain with s- sympathetic motivations, but blowing up buildings and killing Hoskins, um, which I, I think, I, I hope we talked about that. She kills a guy in this. So, mm-hmm. you know, she is also a murderer. I mean, she um, also blew we, we up. Already, we, we already established that. What'd you say? No doubt. <laughs> right. We already established that when she blew up a building, but we have now a visceral flag smasher kill here um, in this episode. So, so that means two visceral kills. So, and, and my wife actually said this, but I agree with her. This is the absolute power corrupts absolutely axiom going on here. And it, Maybe it's not the perfect form because I think part of Walker's corruption here is the uh, corruption is the the actual drug that he's on messing with him. Although we don't have that explained, so that's just um, a hypothesis, uh, and that could be true for Morgenthau as well. But I just they don't come right out and say it. And Eduardo talked about Sam's conversation with Zemo. They don't come right out and say it, but I just think it's very interesting that this theme is revisiting Erskine's argument that this can't just be given to anyone. You're This soldier who you think is a good guy, who is a great soldier, who's a physical specimen, you're not necessarily going to like what you get out of giving that person the serum, even if you think you have a hero. Uh, you need a Steve Rogers. And like Zemo said, there hasn't been another Steve Rogers. So we got a, we got a hero out of this. We got someone that saved the world. But there's definitely, you know, an, an Erskine was right uh, statement in this episode that doesn't salvage it, but it was something I'm very, very interested in that I think was well, well handled. There hasn't been another Steve Rogers, but there was an Isaiah Bradley, and we don't know what he would have gotten to be if that. So that's a really good point. Taking that's, his blood. That's actually a very good point, and that and might I think, actually. I didn't think of that till just now, and I think that mm-hmm. is actually something to explore, hopefully. And so what I'll say is that almost makes me want to back off of what I was saying of saying this theme was well handled and very interesting. I still think it's interesting, but kind of Eduardo brought up earlier of. Why did why is Isaiah Bradley so barely talked about on this show? And maybe that's actually where it could have been more interesting. Maybe this could have been handled better by exploring Isaiah Bradley as well. Then and maybe I I'm getting. I don't it necessarily think here. we're done. I don't think we're necessarily done with, right. with Isaiah. Right. I will be bummed if it turns out that they only introduced him right. so that we could have a great moment in right. in episode two that raises some questions, mm-hmm. and then the reveal that they used his blood. Right. to create this new serum that is the MacGuffin of this mm-hmm. series. If that's where they leave it, I will be disappointed, but I feel like it won't be. Yeah, that, I, it, have, I have hope. That's really all, and kind of the peripherals of it, we've already talked about a lot on this episode, 
just that grenade scene and that conversation between Erskine and Phillips, I think I think we all agree is one of the best scenes in the MCU. I'm going to go ahead and say that Soundlord thinks that's one of the best scenes oh, yeah. in the yeah, MCU. I'm with you. And I do kind of enjoy that this episode is exploring the concept of that scene, even if it's not directly referencing that scene. Okay. Yeah. But Robbie, mm-hmm. if I look at these show notes, that's not all that you wrote. You got some other little tidbits in there, Robbie, that you haven't talked about yet. Maybe because what? you realize they're not actually good arguments. Like what? Like how you don't think John Walker's the villain and how you can No, he's not the villain. And how you compare it to Star-Lord. Oh, that's just to troll you. <laughs> was it actually because I was really, I was about to fight you. I'm kind of. You did a good I job. Of, <laughs> I kind of want to go all in on that, though. Don't go all in on it. You already revealed it's a troll. I, I wimped out. That was definitely a troll. That said, I do think if we say Star-Lord did nothing, okay. Yeah, don't do it. That said, I do want to say, I'm not going to say John Walker, good guy. Um, he just murdered a guy. That said, I think a, um, we talk about social issues on this episode, and I think one of many social issues is nurture versus nature, what creates crime and violence, and how much of, you know, this situation, how much of, I guess I can't say with extreme confidence, if I went in a roid rage and watched one of y'all die, that I would pull my punches. Um, and so that doesn't mean that I am absolved once I do that. And once I cross that line at all, um, John Walker is not absolved and did not cross and absolutely crossed a line here. But I think I'm not going to go as far as, yeah, I'd be completely restrained in that moment after watching someone murder you guys. That's very nice of you. I think my problem with that line of thinking is that this isn't just a person. This is somebody who's supposed to be. I mean, and maybe that feeds into your other argument about the serum, and it actually helps your other argument better. But the point is that John Walker and Star-Lord are different characters because Star-Lord never says he's a good person, one. and I feel like you're about to say that he's a bad choice for Captain America, as though I'm going to disagree with no, you. No, no, no. And I don't think you're going to disagree with at all. I think okay. that John Walker is supposed to be better than us, right? He's supposed to be this ideal, and the fact that he does this is a very bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Captain America is absolutely to be Captain America is supposed to be better than that. But but how often can we say that America is supposed to be better than things America actually does? I think I think that there's I think that it's a powerful image at the end of this episode when you have the shield with blood yes. splattered mm-hmm. all over it. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know the Watchman smiley yep. face all over again, kind of and. I know, there, there's I mean I think there is a lot to unpack with with this because we have a show where three of the main characters on this show are veterans. I think that's a, a way to look at it. We don't necessarily think uh-huh. of it this way because two of them are superheroes. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them was a continuously frozen and unfrozen, brainwashed Soviet assassin. Uh, one was a guy with a jetpack and wings, and one is a guy who's been thrust into the role of captain america a role that he was not prepared for um zemo's a veteran too yeah that's absolutely yeah true. that's right yeah, that's, that's right true yeah okay so fourth for the characters um you know the probably the four main characters of this show you know and then we've met isaiah bradley who was a veteran who had a completely different experience than any of them as well and i 
I'm not a veteran. I cannot speak to the veteran experience. I don't think there is a singular veteran experience. But you, you can't deny that, you know, if you go to war, that is going to change you in some ways. And people are going to cope with it in different ways. And we've seen how Sam dealt with it. Sam dealt with it by helping others cope. And I said earlier that that Walker would have benefited from this, you know, and, you know, Bucky you know, had a completely different experience. His wartime experience led to him being captured and experimented on. Um, but he has now been able to start moving past that as well. And he's trying to do the right thing. And I think John Walker, in spite of how much we might not like him, he took on the role of Captain America, I believe, for at least what he sees as the right reasons and what I can't even say are the wrong reasons. I thought that scene between him and Lamar at the mall or wherever the hell they were, uh, when when they're talking about, well, you've got three medals of honor. And he goes, yeah, you know, they rewarded me, so I'll never forget the worst day of my life. We don't know exactly what happened. We can make some inferences. I don't know if we will ever actually get the story of, oh, what happened in Afghanistan. But I don't know if we necessarily... This is one time where I feel like we don't right. need it explained. I think you can fill in the blanks if you know about war. That, he, that soldiers have to make terrible choices all the time for the greater good and you know hoskins says you know you always make the right decision in the battlefield and at the end of this episode we see that here he is not right. making the right decisions in the right. battlefield in the heat of battle but you know whatever he did probably saved a lot of people whatever he did also probably killed uh -huh. a lot of people too and he does not feel good right. about that and the fact that he says be, you know being cap is the first time i've ever done something where i feel like I'm, you know, doing something right. You know, that's a noble goal, I think. But whether this is just the way he is or whether it is as a result of trauma from his time in the war. And here we go. You know, this show is going to be like WandaVision where it's going to end up being about trauma. Traumatized people, you know, trying their best and not always succeeding. The, the, the serum brings out that this has made him a somewhat impulsive person. This has given him an anger problem. And I think that even before he took the serum, he's putting a lot of stress on himself. I've seen people like that before, where they're working themselves so hard because you feel like you have something to prove. He feels like he needs, just like Sam, you know, maybe feels like he's not up to being Captain America. I think John Walker doesn't feel like he's up to being Captain America either. I think the title has gone to his head a little bit because he's got the shield. He's like, I'm Captain America. Listen to me. But I think that's partially from his own doubt in his ability to be Captain America, which is why he turns to the serum. You know, we see that he's got this inferiority complex against Sam, against Bucky especially, Bucky having the, the serum, and then and then the Dora Milaje. And all of this just adds up to make him the worst possible person to take the serum right. at this moment. It's it's the whole he's I mean, he's crossed a line now that it will be i don't i don't know how you uncross that line but to me it's not because he's bad to me it's a tragedy so and you talk about cross that cross the line which is by the way something i don't disagree with but i kind of wanted to bring up how much of that is the line he's crossed and how much is the framing of the the shot and the film because why why is what he just did with a shield worse than 
what, you know, we, we already talked about, um, uh, what's his, no, Charlie. Iron Man, yeah. but for some reason I cannot think of the name, Tony Stark. Um, we, <laughs> what a name we talked about in Iron Man 3, Tony Stark running around and killing people as well. Like he tells them, you're, you know, you'll die for, you'll die second. Um, he's running around killing people as well. And it, it's, in, it's very interesting that I think a lot of how we decide whether killing in fiction is good or bad is based on how it was presented and framed. And I, I mm-hmm. bad, I'm, I'm going to go with bad, but it, if we, if it just kind of quickly happens off screen and we don't really dwell on it, then it's, ah, yeah, it's just an action movie. And then this is, no, it's not an action it's movie. This Sam is Sam Wilson like, in the first scene of exactly, the show. Exactly. The exactly. And you know, he killed, he murdered somebody, but he also, he murdered a terrorist. Like he, he killed a bad person, just like the heroes kill bad people. Um, I, and I just think it's very interesting though. I think there is a difference because I think you could make the argument that the people that, and it's not, I'm not advocating for murder here. But right. I think, right, right, right. No, no, no. I, I agree. I understand. I, I think you could no. make the argument that you take whoever Sam was, was, uh, was fighting at that time, had guns trained on him. were also trying to kill him at the time. Right. A little more self-defense. Right. Whereas this person, he chases down and then beats to death while they're begging for yes. their life. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. In revenge, mm-hmm. like there's definitely, yeah. it definitely feels like there is a difference. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. And it's a character that has said in earlier in the episode that he looked up to the original Captain America. Oh, was it the same guy? And yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. And do we want to talk about the parallels of that killing now, or should we wait until we actually get to that part of the? We're show? almost there. Okay, we're not almost there. Uh, all right, well, then, I, then I we'll hold off. We can, but there's a very obvious parallel, that murder mm-hmm. scene, to something we've seen in the yeah. movies. I have that right. in my note. It doesn't necessarily tie in with what I was going to say, but I wrote it down there because it stood out to me like a very sore thumb. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll yeah. talk about it. Um, I think there's a reason for it. I think there's a good reason for it. And Soundlord, before we get away from well, this, I also just wanted to say I'm, I'm happy you brought up that that conversation, he's clearly talking about trauma and scars, and that's... Again, this is a nature nurture argument, but I very clearly mm-hmm. things that happened in his tour of duty are what created. Uh, I think Eduardo used the term monster. I'm not going to disagree that the person we see at the end of this episode is a monster. Um, it's kind of where did the monster come from? How much of the monster is innate? How much of the monster's choice? How much of the monster is developed? How much of the monster is literally a drug being put in his body? How much of the monster is just watching his friend best friend die? Um, I don't know if the episode's going to explore that. I'll be very interested to see, or how much the series is going to explore that. I'll be very interested to see if this is the end, if y'all are right and he gets turned into the villain, if we see some sort of come down and remorse. And, and I'm going to expect still some, some having to pay the piper. Um, but we, I'm, as usual, like I've said on the last couple episodes, I'm worried about how this will be handled, but I am interested in how this gets handled. I think that cafe shop, kind of like you said, made me think that it might be handled intelligently. I think it's about choice, though, right? Like, I personally, for me, I think that a lot of the heroes that we have seen have gone through similar situations like this, right? Where they've had to make a choice whether or not they were going to take someone's life based off of revenge. Like, think, I mean, it immediately makes me think of Black Panther at the end of Civil War, right? Where he has the That's option there. He can uh-huh. kill the guy that just killed his father, and he uh-huh. chooses not to. And that choice is the most important choice, right? And that is what separates our heroes 
from yes. not just not heroes, but from villains, right? From people that make the, right. the active choice to, to take a life in that way when, when it's clear that they have all the power. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I think that's why I get stuck on, I think this is, you know, a heel turn or the creation of the villain, because at this point he makes a choice where he is going to kill this person and it doesn't matter what else is happening. It, he doesn't care about people seeing him. He doesn't care about recording. He cares about one thing and it's this person's death. And he wants to do it in what is one of the most gruesome ways possible. So I think that is what makes it not necessarily the fact that it is a death, but the way the death occurs. And I think the difference in in those situations um, separates our heroes from our villains. Morgenthau calls Sarah and threatens her and her children if she doesn't set up a private meeting with Sam. Sam with Bucky arrives at the meeting. Morgenthau insists she isn't actually going to hurt anyone, but wants Sam to join her. As they talk, Sharon's satellites spot Walker and Hoskins tracking down the Flag Smashers, and she alerts Sam, Bucky, Falcon, and Morgenthau race... Uh, and she alerts Sam. My apologies. Bucky, <laughs> Falcon, and Morgenthau race to the Flag Smashers' hideout. On site, Hoskins is jumped, knocked out, and dragged away. When a Flag Smasher tries to attack Walker, Walker shows off his new super strength and heightened senses, managing to win the fight, though looking frenetic and unstable. As the two groups converge and start fighting, Hoskins is able to free himself and attempts to stop a flag smash from attacking Hoskins. As he does, Morgenthau kicks Hoskins hard into a stone pillar, killing him. I will say, once again, to sort of rebuttal Robbie, I, I don't know why, but Robbie just is always the person that I'm disagreeing with. I don't know if this is even that much of a disagreement, <laughs> but I do think she didn't mean to kill him. She definitely kills him, but I don't think the intent was to murder this person. I think she didn't understand her own strength and accidentally killed him. She still Possibly. killed him. Possibly. What I think is interesting, because what what it, what I saw in this scene, she was ready to kill John Walker. She was ready to kill Captain mm-hmm. America because yeah. he's just a symbol. When she kills Lamar, she looks yeah. kind of shocked and then runs away. And... I have more to say about that, but I'll... Well, we're going to talk a lot about Lamar right now, because Peach, you think Lamar got fridged. (laughs) I don't think he got fridged. I know he got fridged. Okay, my two... Let me tee this up in a strange way. My two biggest criticisms with this episode in particular, first one, that the most unrealistic thing I've ever seen in a Marvel show ever is Sarah getting a call from a number she doesn't recognize and answering it. <laughs> Nobody has ever done that. Let that shit go to voicemail. Okay, mm-hmm. now that the funny thing is out of the way, I don't know how I feel about Lamar getting fridged. For any of the listeners that maybe don't remember what we're talking about when we say fridged, it's when a character is introduced so that they can die to propel the story of another character. So we talked about in episode two, when they had that locker room scene of uh, John Walker's girlfriend slash wife slash maybe sister, hopefully not. Um, and Robbie said, and I'm not picking on you, Robbie. I'm just, no, you, I you said this. She's going to die, isn't she? And we were all like, ah, we, uh, we didn't really know one way or another. And, and we thought they were going to fridge her. We thought she was going to be his motivation for doing, her death is going to be, sorry, the motivation for him doing whatever he ended up doing. But it turned out to be Lamar. 
And I just don't, I don't think it was necessary to kill him. And I'm the guy who is in previous episodes years ago said Marvel doesn't take chances with murdering people enough, which is really kind of a messed up thing for me to have said. But the point is, I don't think he needed to die to give John Walker the character motivation to do what he ended up doing. And like the way they were setting up this story, John was already asking about the serum and he already has spent every single episode that he has fought in losing the battle that he fought in. Clearly he's getting frustrated about that. And then this all leads up to earlier on in the episode, he gets bested by the Dora Milaje and literally says they weren't even super soldiers. Like they didn't, they shouldn't have been able to beat me. Everybody keeps beating me. So he already has the motivation once he finds that vial because he wants to stop being beaten. And he wants to be this, he wants to be the symbol that he, you know, he grew up with and he wants people to look up to him. And he sees that as an opportunity. He takes that before Lamar gets taken away. He, he already had the motivation to take the serum and he's experiencing some of the side effects of that. We see him kind of like tweaking when he uh, gets in the fights on the way to Lamar. He's like tweaking a little bit. He throws the shield that goes into the wall. He's kind of looking at it for a long time. Like, did I just do that? Like, you can tell that he's already on that path. Did Lamar need to die at this point? I, I, my mind immediately when I was thinking about this went to the scene that ends the elevator elevator, the airport fight. Why did I mix those things up? <laughs> the airport scene in civil war when vision absolutely toasts Rhodey when he tries to eye beam and he, or mind mindstone beam and he hits Rhodey that ends the fight. Everybody stops what they're doing to take care of Rhodey. And that propels certain characters' motivations forward, but Rhodey didn't die. And I just, I don't know that we needed Lamar to die for this arc to keep going. And then, I don't even know why I wrote this in the notes, but, like, I still think that if Lamar would have maybe just been injured, just badly injured, he still would have gone after that Flag Smasher, who, A, wasn't the one that kicked him into a pillar, B, ironically, was a super fan of OG Captain America. And again, into this, you know, scene we wanted to showcase where he does the exact opposite of what Captain America does at the end of Civil War with the scene where he picks the shield up in the air and we think he's going to kill Tony Stark and he jams it into the arc reactor instead. But this is showcasing what Robbie said earlier. This is not Captain America, very clearly. He did the opposite thing. But again, all of that, I just, like, what the hell? I don't think Lamar had to go for this. It wasn't necessary. I have two thoughts on that. The first one is, right before Lamar jumped into the fray, I turned to my wife and I said, uh, is Lamar going to get fridged? And she <laughs> said, what? And I then had to explain to her, as he died, what getting fridged is. So I thought that was, so then when you wrote that in the notes, it's this. when you wrote that in the notes, I thought it was funny. But, and, and then I also told her, yep, he, he did get fridged. That is getting fridged. Um, so you're correct. And I think it is often lazy. And I think everything you just said is correct. Uh, so with that caveat, I am not disagreeing with you or defending or defending the uh, writers. I think what they're going for is, again, we're going to find out in a couple episodes, 
but I think they're going with something that they think the audience is going to find at least something that is a little bit more sympathetic and redeemable from redeemable. I don't think he's going to have a great redemption, but um, redeemable for John Walker. I think, I think if he went apeshit because his friend got hurt and killed the dude, then, but they don't want him to be, you know, the super villain of the show. I think that's a little bit harder, or I think they interpret that as a little bit harder for the audience than if his best friend died, his best friend died. You're, you're going to, you know, kind of understand how he killed the guy. And they're clearly not framing it as a justified death, but, so I think that's where they're coming you from. And that is I, not me saying that that's good writing. I think that's where they're coming from. I'm, I'm thinking on it as we're talking about it too. And, and you know, you there's a shot of John Walker taking Lamar's pulse. Mm-hmm. And then he goes after the Flag Smasher. So I am over here assuming probably correctly that he did mm-hmm. die. But it's one of those, I guess it could possibly be one of those Marvel yeah. things where we didn't fully right. see them die. So maybe he's not dead. Maybe that will be the irony is that he went extra ape shit and his friend was fine. I like, I don't know. It I just, also, I don't even know why I feel this way. I just no, don't I agree. feel like it was. Necessary. No, 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 no. For, for everything I just said, I totally agree with you. Also that I know this I know. gets back to Eduardo's. It's lame when we discuss things this way. Really, the reason I think he died and Rhodey didn't is because they wanted Rhodey in more movies and Hoskins was expendable. He was probably put in the show to be fridged, which again is kind of the point. Of, it's kind of what fridging is usually and is mm-hmm. yeah. just confirms everything you're saying. I, it didn't ruin the episode for me, but I, I think you're right. I just, I'm kind of trying to guess what screenwriter is thinking. I, I, Maybe for him to be the villain, he did have Maybe. to die. I'm all over the I place. Think, see, I think he's because, more of a villain if he doesn't. If it's because No, because Hoskins, in a lot of ways, uh, was John's absolutely. moral compass. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's, Hoskins that's very, very often stepped in and said, like, even in this episode, like, three or four times, hey, man, like, let Sam go yeah. talk to him. Just let this happen. So many times he was, like, guiding him toward the right thing, and now that he's gone he's not going to have that compass in Lamar. He might have to find it somewhere else and he'll probably fail because a bunch of people just watched him straight up murder a guy. I think my feelings... I think that's actually a good point. My feelings on fridging, just in general, I think one, context is important because the, the reason we talk about fridging is not because it's necessarily a bad plot device to introduce a character to have them die to help move a story forward. I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing because if that's the case a very popular fridged character is ben parker he gets fridged in spider-man but he's also one of the most important characters in that entire mythos because he literally drives everything about the character moving forward so i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to fridge a character uh because it it sometimes is necessary for the plot i think the reason we use the term fridge is because it was used for women because every time a woman was introduced, mm-hmm. that's all she was there for. Whereas there are lots of different types of men of all different colors in this show and they all play lots of different roles. So I don't think necessarily we're doing a disservice to anyone by having Lamar be a character that fuels uh, John Walker's motivations because you can, I think for what they're trying to do, which is have John Walker snap and and sort of change who he is as a person, one with getting the serum and two with this this sort of tragedy, I think you need to have something really... Because I think we're shown that 
traditionally and initially John has a strong moral compass. He understands what to do in situations and he always has Lamar there to have his back to steer him in the right direction, but he doesn't have that anymore. And I think we needed to lose Lamar for that, for this to go the direction they want it to go. Maybe, maybe I just, maybe you did. And that's cool. If you're sad that they're gone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I just, there won't be any more. What do you, what's your, what's your name? Battlestar. Stop the truck. Yeah. <laughs> the Flag Smashers attempt to escape while Walker angrily chases one down. In a plaza, he's able to corner the smack Flag Smasher and beats him to death with the Captain America shield while dozens watch and videotape on their phones. The episode ends with Walker standing alone holding a bloodied shield. Now, now Chris, we've talked about this scene what it feels like at length already, but I feel like we yes, can a little bit more. The there's a little bit more here to to maybe dive into as far as John Walker and sort of the tragedy of of everything that's happening with him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of kind of said most of this earlier that that I I think this is a tragedy. This was the inevitable end of his story, or and obviously not the end, but this is inevitably where this was going. We knew that there was going to be some kind of breaking point, and we've really discussed at length between him losing Lamar, his own probably PTSD, his own feelings of inadequacy as Captain America. And, and and to me, what makes it a tragedy is the fact that he did want to be a good Captain America. He just was not the right man for this job. Maybe physically, yes, but even, but he's even concerned about that. He, he feels so inadequate about not being a super soldier and then getting his butt kicked by the door of Milaje. Which, ain't no shame in that. <laughs> They're gonna kick uh-huh. everyone's butt. <laughs> That's just what they do. Um, the uh, real quick, I think I want to circle back to what Peach said earlier about comparing this to the Civil War scene of Steve doing that to Tony, but he does it clearly just to incapacitate him, and then Tony yells, "You don't deserve that shield." And Steve drops it and walks away and thinks he will never have that shield again. And it's not until Tony gives it back to him in Endgame that he takes the shield back up and he is really Captain America again. Whereas John Walker thinks he deserves this shield. The shield, which is now stained with blood, dirtied in a way that we've never seen when Steve Rogers had the shield. You know, it, it got some scratches from Black Panther, but that's about it. But we've never seen it like this. It was always kind of improbably shiny and and a symbol and now this symbol is bloodstained and john walker stands up hooks that shield back up to his arm and stands there he's like yeah i'm still captain america bitch and it's just an interesting contrast to i think it goes back to what robbie was saying about what made steve rogers captain america was that he was a good man it wasn't the shield i also kind of want to tie this in with uh with Carly's story, I think, you know, Eduardo, you said that their stories kind of crossed. I think that there's a parallel. I think they're really similar characters, their stories so far. Both of them do start with noble intentions. You know, we, we, we've talked about how John wanted to do the right thing as Captain America. Carly wants to help these people who have been displaced since, you know, billions of people returned. And we again, we finally heard what the GRC has done, how it's been handled, and how you know these people have been mistreated and deserve help. 
you know, and I wish we'd gotten that earlier, but that's neither here nor there at this point. Um, but they've both now, in the last episode, she crossed a line that you can't necessarily uncross by taking the Flag Smashers full terrorist. They've been stealing money and supplies and everything, but in a very Robin Hood sort of way. But now she's killing people because this is what people respond to. And now he's killing people as well. And how much of this is the serum acting on them both? I don't know. I, And I think in Carly's case, it's youth. It's her justifiable anger. And I think that she's young and naive as well. I mean, she's only... I mean, I look, the, the actress, I think, is like 22 or something like that. So I think it's fair to assume that she is as well, uh, you know, somewhere in her early 20s, which means that she was a teenager when the snap happened and throughout the blip. So not saying that, you know, young people don't understand the world, but I think that there's going to be a lot about the world that she does not necessarily understand. And she's not ready to be thrust into this this space as a symbol to people just as John Walker was not ready to be thrust into the role of a symbol that inspires people. And, and we see it a lot where she looks really stressed out in this episode. And just like we have seen with John over the past few episodes where, you know, she finds out that the, the super soldier serum has been destroyed and she like puts her head in her hands and is like, and the power broker calls and she's like, okay, so we're going to do this. And, Everyone's looking to her for the answers and you get the sense that she doesn't have these answers, but she's going to act like she does because she's the leader of the Flag Smashers. So that's what people expect. And now it's they've both had their full heel turns now. And can they come back from that or not? I think it's a really interesting question. I think sort of like how it happened last week, my rating for this episode has gone up a little bit, whereas last week my rating went down a little bit. So we'll see if that continues or as, as we continue to discuss these episodes, whether my ratings will change, um, but hopes and predictions for the next episode. Um, we're going to start with you, Robbie. I'm sorry. We're going to start with you, Chris, since we just, had... okay. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. Just to, we, we got a lot of plates spinning right now. Zemo Walker, the flag smashers, power broker, uh, and the, everything that comes along with all of them, Wakanda, and I am curious just how much depth they can get into over the course of only two more episodes. We only have two more episodes. And the last episode is obviously going to be a big fight scene, right? That's <laughs> what people are expecting, at least. And, you know, maybe they'll, they'll surprise us. But I will say that the final shot of this episode has me looking forward to next week in a way that none of the other episodes have. Where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. I got that a little bit when Aya showed up last week. It's like, oh, I'm excited to see how she and Wakanda and the Dora Milaje play into this. But this, I'm like really ready to see, you know, what's going to happen next? How is the world going to react to this? Because there are a lot of different ways they can do it, all of which I think are realistic to an extent, all and many of which could be very interesting avenues to explore. I, and I said this earlier, it will the in-universe spin machine try to paint him as heroic doing what needs to be done kind of guy. Is that going to drum up sympathy for the flag smashers in return? I, you know, I just, there, there are a lot of places they can go with this and I am interested in and hopeful that they're going to explore some interesting themes uh, over the last two episodes. 
What about what about you, Eduardo? What how are you? What are you looking forward to? I'm hoping they kind of go back to some of these more interesting storylines. I am more interested in the whole John Walker thing than I was. I hope they flesh out the Flag Smasher thing just a little bit more, but I honestly almost feel like they're we're heading in a direction where the Flag Smasher storyline is going to take a sort of back seat. Like I do think John Walker is our main antagonist because he is the other character we have spent the most time with. And so it makes sense to me that that is the character that we're going to eventually have our, our, our showdown with. I, I think it's weird for it to be sh- um, the power broker. If it is Sharon, uh, because we had one episode with her and we've barely seen her since, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think once again, I think the relationship that we have with Carly and, and, uh, Sam, excuse me. I, I think that's a, a a more interesting relationship, and I think there is a there's a a world there where they sort of meet eye to eye on a lot of different things. Whereas I think, on the surface, Sam and uh, John meet eye to eye on a lot of situations. Uh, underneath, it's a lot more of them disagreeing and a lot more tension. And I think that's where the real, uh, I think that's where the real conflict is. Robbie. I just kind of want it to be over, um, <laughs> which is honestly a terrible thing to say. You have said several times of trusting the MCU that they're going to, in the end, um, produce something good. And I I will not be surprised if the final act of this is something I'm very much entertained by. I feel like it has been a slog for me to get to that final act. Uh, so I'm still actually looking forward to it. Exactly what Chris said of the end of this episode made him look forward to the next episode. Honestly, same. Next week is the most I have looked forward to Falcon and the Winter Soldier since before episode one. So I'm looking. So it's not that I'm not looking forward to the next episode. It's just I happen to know that for, uh, since there is only two more, something should happen, and I should probably get to the edge of my seat point that I think is coming. I'm just I'm I'm ready to get there. I'm ready to put some of the stuff that has been kind of boring to me behind us. Uh, and you talked a little bit about the arcs where they're going. I, I'm not sure that we're going to have a traditional uh, sort of uh, showdown at the end. I think they might be trying to set up something that they think, and maybe they're right, and I kind of hope they're right, but they think they're going to set up something that's a little bit smarter and more nuanced than this is villain, we defeat villain. Um, and we'll see. And maybe I'm wrong, um, and maybe it's good. Maybe I'm wrong and it's good. Maybe I'm right and it's bad. Um, We'll see. I'm just kind of ready to get there. How about you, Peaches? Yeah, I've, I've got a, a, an extra thought that I didn't really have until us until we were talking about things and mentioning Power Broker. The Power Broker, at, at this point, I kind of feel like is the Mephisto of the show. <laughs> with, with the exception of they've said Power Broker 14 times. Like, are we even... Is she or he going to even show up by the end of this? Like... They're not really that present other being a name other than being a name in the background. And I kind of agree with what Eduardo said. Like at this point, we haven't spent enough time with whoever that might be on screen or other than just them being an ominous presence that like, what are they going to do if they show up? Like maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. It just kind of seems like, uh, like a, a swerve plot device that they might be going for. But overall, what I expect, you know, there's only two episodes left and I don't even really know what I want out of the show at this point. Um, one thing that's kind of stood out to me is that based on the one trailer that I saw, 
So maybe not a lot of backup here, but I kind of expected more Sam with the shield action in this show. Um, that little training montage where he's throwing it at the tree and doing a backflip and whatever in the trailer, like kind of made it seem, and we kind of talked about this, like that he would start off with the shield, but I'm not really feeling that because he still doesn't have it. There's only two episodes left. And if that is not one of those Hulk and Wakanda moments from a trailer, then, you know, when are we going to get Sam with shield action? My only thought is that if they do go the route where, John Walker is painted as a bad guy because of, you know, what he did and it was filmed. Is Sam going to just take the shield from him right then and there? Like they all stood in a circle around him and watched him do it. By the end of the episode, nobody has left. So they might start off episode five with immediately confronting him and taking his shield away. I I don't know. Um, I I do want some Sam with the shield moments. So I'm kind of hoping for some of those. Um. But yeah, overall, I guess we'll just have to see how the cards fold. We're going to go with our ratings. Robbie, we'll start with you. What are you going to rate episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I am giving it 5.5 bloody icons out of 10. Chris? Wow. I'm giving it 8.5 autographs with Battlestar logos out of 10. Uh, How about you, Peach? Oh my gosh, I'm the average. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seven istanbul not constantinobles out of ten <laughs> <laughs> thanks turkish delight eduardo and i will give it eight turkish delights from the chronicles of narnia out of ten <laughs> man i feel like we had a lot to say this episode i feel like uh, i apologize for the yeah. last couple i think because uh we haven't enjoyed these episodes as much especially last week we didn't have too much to say because we didn't want to continue to sort of harp on the episode even though some people think that we were too too strict and too hard on the episode but are still complaining <laughs> are still complaining um but i'm glad we were able to kind of get in because there's a lot of meat in this episode so i'm glad we were able to get into it um and so hopefully we're going to get a lot more of that for these last two episodes and uh pretty soon we're going to be talking about what we're going to be doing afterwards because we've got a lot of free time in between now and in between when loki comes out but the best way to find out what we're doing next is heading on over to patreon.com slash assembly required. Uh, once again, we uh, appreciate everybody who listens to the show. And if you want to try to support us to kind of help us make this show better, we would very much appreciate it, but don't no pressure. If you want to send us an email and give us your thoughts, you can send us an email assembly required cast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at assembly cast. You can all follow all of us individually. Uh, PhilKid3 for Robbie, GatorSax2010 for Chris, D underscore Peaches for Peaches, and ABCD Eduardo for myself. That's going to do it for myself, Peaches, Robbie, Chris. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Boobly, boobly.
I'm a hunted man, Richard. And you're in a unique position to help me. No, no. I, I can't help anybody. I can't even help myself. Then we'll help each other, like we did back in our boys' brigade days. Do you want to get the boys' brigade back together? Not exactly. I, too, have suffered terrible losses this year. It nearly broke me, but instead it only strengthened my resolve. Join me, and I can do the same for you. But but you're all evil, though. I, I can't be a bad guy. Is it really such a stretch?